Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong again. So happy to be here with you on the radio. We've got a good show for you today. As usual, you will hear the news from me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, you'll hear my opinion and my commentary on those things in the news. We will listen to some dumb criminal law stories. I always have those. There will be three riddles. And uh, we have a guest at uh, the midpoint of the show who's going to talk to us about suicide and what's happening with the suicide rate in the United States. Segment four, we'll probably have a Paul Harvey story, the rest of the story, okay? So, all right, let's start it right off. Everyone, and I'm sure you listeners out there, have seen the photographs of what's happening at the border with Mexico and the United States. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong again. So happy to be here with you on the radio. We've got a good show for you today. As usual, you will hear the news from me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, you'll hear my opinion and my commentary on those things in the news. We will listen to some dumb criminal law stories. I always have those. There will be three riddles. And uh, we have a guest at uh, the midpoint of the show who's going to talk to us about suicide and what's happening with the suicide rate in the United States. Segment four, we'll probably have a Paul Harvey story, the rest of the story, okay? So, all right, let's start it right off. Everyone, and I'm sure you listeners out there, have seen the photographs of what's happening at the border with Mexico and the United States. Parents who are coming from Central America, where things are very bad, have brought their children up to the border of the United States seeking asylum. Under international law, they have a right to seek asylum in the United States. It's an international treaty we signed that allows that. However, the government of the United States says if they come across the border illegally with their children, they're going to take the children and put them away and then put the parents in jail until they can have a hearing. This is downright un-American, and it's gotten really chaotic. I'm sure you've seen the pictures of some of the holding facilities down in Texas where they have children in what look like cages. It's awful. They have heard or you have heard perhaps like I have the sound recordings obtained by ProPublica with children crying and seeking or asking about their parents mami mami papi papi yamea mitia mami mami daddy daddy call my aunt my Spanish ain't that good but I know what they're saying it's heart wrenching really it is now, again, this is a policy that the Trump administration has come up with. They think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing. But here are some words from Paul Waldman. He's a writer who writes uh, some op-ed pieces for the Washington Post. He says that most administrations have to face this public relations problem at one point or another. They make a decision for reasons they think are good ones. 
Then they're surprised to receive a wave of negative press red coverage and public revulsion. So they have to scramble to come up with a palatable justification that makes them look like they aren't foolish, insensitive, or in some cases, morally monstrous. Now that's what's happening to the Trump administration right now. As outrage, outrage grows over their policy of separating children from their parents when they arrive at the southern border. Not just people crossing illegally, but in some cases, families who arrive and present themselves to American authorities to request asylum. The Attorney General and other officials have responded by essentially arguing that they have almost nothing to do with their own policy. Meanwhile, Republican members of Congress who are spooked enough by the bad publicity want to come up with a legislative solution. Now, this is bad. It's really bad. People have come out against what Trump is doing. It is his policy, although he denies it. He says that there is a law that was promulgated by the Obama administration to separate children from the families. This is a lie. There is no law, I repeat, there is no law mandating that children be separated from their parents at the border. The administration, the uh, Trump administration has not been able to point to a statute that requires it because there is no such statute. But our president is a demagogue, and he is demagoguing and making aliens, particularly aliens from South America and Central America and Mexico, people who are brown, making them out to be thugs, criminals, terrorists, and all the worst things of the world. As a matter of fact, he's called animals. However, what we see are not thugs and criminals being locked up. We see people who want to save their children from death and despair in a part of the world that is right now not really being governed well. It's not a good situation. The things that we've seen is just are just awful. I would never have thought that the United States would do something this dastardly. Now, as an immigration lawyer and a former American counsel, that is in the diplomatic service, I've been to the Mexico border long ago. I've seen people coming across. I've seen people being deported. I know what it looks like down there. And uh, people are coming out against what they're saying. Many people believe in Trump and believe that he's a strong leader and he's doing this to show his resolve to save our country. Well, he is a reality TV star, but as some have said, he may be a television star, but this is reality and the reality is turning harsh on this administration. Of course, Mr. Trump has tripled down saying he's not going to change this policy because it's the right policy. He believes that this will help his administration by having people come out and vote for Republicans in the midterm elections that are coming up. He thinks this show of strength and resolve will make him a hero. But I don't think so. People and institutions have come out against this policy, starting with who? The Pope of the Catholic Church is against this policy. Many Democrats are against this policy. A number of Republicans are against this policy. Church 
many churches in the United States are against this situation of separating children from parents. Jeff Sessions, who announced all of this new situation that we'd be taking children away, is a United Methodist churchgoer. The United Methodist Church has come out against Mr. Sessions and 640 members of the United Methodist Church, same congregation where he worships, have sent a letter. And they signed a letter, that is, on Monday. And basically, they accuse him of child abuse, immorality, racial discrimination, and dissemination of doctrines contrary to the established standards of the United States and of the United Methodist Church. The doctrine charge refers to Sessions' misuse of Romans 13, that's in the Bible, about obeying the government because it's ordained by God to justify the policy. The misuse of the passage is in stark contrast to disciplinary commitments in supporting freedom of conscience and resistance to unjust laws, says the letter signed by 60, 600 rather, and 40 members of the United Methodist Church. Now, somewhere here on my desk, I'm picking it up, I have the Bible. Yes, I have the Bible. I have several of them, as a matter of fact. And uh, I haven't looked at Romans in a long time, but I'm looking at it now. Yes, chapter 13, number 1 and 2 talk about, Let every person render obedience to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those in authority are divinely constituted. That's what Romans 13.1 says, and that's what Mr. Sessions has used. However, Romans 12.14 talks about, Live in harmony with others. Do not aspire to eminence, but associate yourselves with humble people. Do not be conceited. Romans has been used, at least Romans chapter 13, 1, has been used over the years to prop up kings and despots. It's been used in the South during slavery to say that slavery was ordained by God. It's been used in a lot of horrible ways. I hope this comes to an end. We have a whole lot of people who are against it. I don't think that Mr. Trump is going to back down. That's not his way. But I think it's hurting the Republican Party, and I think that people who even really like Mr. Trump realize this is not the way to do things. You heard it from Birdsong. All right, I started with the ugly. What we've seen at the border and the new process of separating families, that's ugly. Is there some good and news? Is there good news of the week and maybe some bad news that's not ugly? Well, listen, here's some good news. It didn't really happen this past week. It was more than a week ago, but I couldn't get to it because of all the things in the news. But here's a story. It was 1991, and she was due any day. She decided to go to the grocery store with her oldest son, Tarek, or Tarek, I'm sorry, who was 10 years old. She began having contractions so severe that she bent over in pain as she checked out. Her water broke before she left the parking lot. She drove home with her legs clamped tight. When she arrived home, her husband, Bobby Patterson, ran outside and carried her in. 
he called 911 and her doctor. The fellow Bailey, a new new policeman on the force, arrived at their house, and this was in uh, the township of central uh, Piscataway, Jersey, New Jersey. When he arrived at the house, soon after, within minutes, the baby was born. The umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby's neck, and Bobby Patterson had gently to lift it off. They named the baby Michael. Officer Bailey, who helped make sure everything was okay at the house and got the mother and the baby into an ambulance, didn't have kids of his own yet, and this was the first time he'd seen a baby be born. It was monumental to him. Now let's flash ahead 27 years. On or about June 13th, a New Jersey state trooper by the name of Michael Patterson was on patrol recently when he pulled over a white BMW for a routine traffic stop. He asked the driver for his license and registration, and the two started making small talk. It turned out that the driver was a fellow by the name of Matthew Bailey, a retired police officer from Piscataway, a township in central uh, Central Jersey. Patterson, the state trooper, grew up in Piscataway, and they soon realized that they knew some officers in common. That's when the chit-chat took a remarkable turn. What street did you live on, Bailey asked Patterson, who was 26 years old. I lived on Poe Place. Bailey also remembered Poe Place. He told Patterson because he helped deliver a baby in a house there as a rookie. He said, you don't forget things like that. Even almost after 27 years, Bailey said he even remembered the baby's name, Michael. Patterson's mind raced. He was born in his parents' house on Poe Place. Patterson had heard the story countless times from his mother. His dad called 911 in a panic. A police officer showed up to help. Patterson put the pieces together and blurted out, That was me. Get the hell out of here, Bailey said in belief, disbelief, I'm sorry. That was me. Patterson repeated with a huge smile, extending his hands inside the car. Thank you for delivering me. Bailey first thought Patterson was pulling his leg. Surely it was too much of a coincidence for this trooper to be the kid he helped deliver. But it was. The men laughed. They shook hands. They were both in shock. Bailey did not get a ticket. They've gotten their families together. What a good story, huh? What a good story. 27 years. Cop who stops the (laughs) ex-cop delivered the cop who was going to give the guy a ticket. The bad news of the week, as you know, Father's Day was this past uh, Sunday. And we have a problem with the American Greeting Company. They came out with a sorry court. Sorry, Father's Day card, not a cord, a card that says just on the front, Baby Daddy. This is the American Greetings, which caught plenty of grief for its tone-deaf Baby Daddy card. The card, which was quickly removed from the Greeting Cards Company website, as well as from Target stores, where it was being sold, featured a silhouetted black couple 
on the cover behind two words, greeting, baby daddy. It's obvious the Cleveland-based car maker hadn't checked the urban directory, I'm sorry, the urban dictionary before approving the card for Father's Day and shipping it to stores. Had it done so, it would have learned that the baby daddy means, quote, the father of your child whom you did not marry and with whom you are not currently involved. Not exactly the paternal figure Father's Day is meant to celebrate. American Greetings reinforce its cluelessness with copy inside the card that reads, quote, you're a wonderful husband and father, and I'm so grateful you are my partner. Well, they took away and took down that card. It was really bad. You don't give a card for the baby daddy. This is Birdsong. Stick with me. There's more to come, but we're going to take a pause for the cause right here. Hi, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. Glad you're listening. Talked a little bit about the good, the bad, and the ugly news of the week. I had to start with the ugly this time. What's going on at our southern border with children being ripped away from their families is just tragic. It needs to stop. However, now let's go to some dumb criminal law stories. You know I collect these stories. They never end. You can read some of my stories on my blog. That's birdsongslaw.com, all one word. But I have some stories today from the beginning of the year. First story is from California. The headline, Methamphetamine-Filled Burritos? Los Angeles police arrested a motorist earlier this year after discovering 14 meth-stuffed burritos wrapped in foil in his car during a traffic stop. The L... APD wrote about the arrest on Twitter stating, quote, 14 burritos and a gun off the streets thanks to at LAPD rampart officers. <laughs> Methamphetamine filled burritos. Oh my gosh. Here's one from Canada. The headline read, Police work has gone to pot in Canada. The story reveals that two Toronto police officers allegedly tripped out after sampling the goods from a marijuana dispensary raid, according to authorities. One of the officers became so high on an edible weed that he had to be rescued from a tree. It appears that one of the officers it appears that one of the officers while hallucinating on the pot climbed a tree and got stuck and could not get down on his own. His partner had to come get him down. <laughs> Police work has gone to pot in Canada. Another story from Canada, they were money hungry. It's been reported that bank robbers led police on a chase across a Canadian town only to be arrested in the drive through lane of a fast food restaurant. The bandits, who allegedly robbed a bank in the town of Richibucto, were caught mid-stack, mid-snack rather, at a Tim Hortons, according to police. 
They were money hungry, huh? <laughs> Let's jump over to China. The headline on this one, Rapper in Deep Doggy Doo. Rapper in Deep Doggy Doo. A Chinese rapper has been detained in Malaysia over complaints that a music video he filmed there featuring dancers wearing dog masks and simulating doggy-style sex insulted Islam and could hurt racial unity and harmony. It is the second time that Wei Ming Chi, who raps under the name Nami Wei, has been investigated for his music videos. Police say they received a number of complaints about the, quote, like a dog video, which celebrates the Chinese year of the dog. <laughs> oh, my God. Where do, they, where do they get these people? Here's one that's not so funny. It's from Florida. The next few stories are from Florida, as a matter of fact. Ire and fire. A Christian school is drawing fire because two of its upcoming charity golf event raffle prizes are rivals. Trinitas Christian Academy in Pensacola, Florida, listed the prizes in January 2018. The school has not yet answered parents' complaints in February that this would be inappropriate after the massacre of 17 students, students and faculty in Parkland High School, also in Florida. Ire and fire. All right, a story from Florida now. Another story from Florida. Headline, Naked Cash. During the end of January 2018, an alleged bank robber who stripped down to his birthday suit and ran through the streets throwing stolen cash in the air went on trial. We learned that it took only 25 minutes of testimony for the judge to find Alexander Sperber, 26, whose naked flight from a Regions Bank in Fort Lauderdale was captured on cell phone video, not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> naked cash. Who robs a bank, gets naked, and throws money around? Someone who's insane. Another story from Florida. Under the sea, says the headline. Two crooks were finally arrested this January for stealing a long-lost sunken treasure from a Florida museum. A 550 thousand solid gold bar which was lost under the sea for 350 years went missing from a display at the Maritime Heritage Museum in Key West eight years ago. Federal agents charged Jared Goldman, 32, of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and Richard Johnson, 41, of Rio Linda, California, with stealing the gold. It appears that the bar was recovered from a Spanish ship that sank amid a 1622 hurricane. Can you believe that, folks? Under the sea. Here's another one from Florida. Headline, Yum Yum Sauce. It's been reported that a former Florida restaurant worker was sentenced to seven years in prison for putting deadly plumber's lie into Yum Yum Sauce at a Japanese re restaurant in the town of Lakeland. Margarito Padilla, 54, acknowledged tainting the sauce because he was unhappy about the working conditions at the eatery. 
there will be no yum yum sauce for his prison meals. <laughs> you can bet that's right. Another story out of Florida. Kaboom not. Thrift store workers recently made an explosive find among the donations left at a charity bin, a grenade launcher loaded with a live grenade. The Goodwill Minnesota Bargain Barn in Sarasota, the employees there immediately called the police who deactivated the weapon. Police say they are trying to find the donor. No one yet has been found. My last story from Florida from the day, for this day. They say this man's 20-minute airport visit was plain nuts. Drew Bromenberg, 28, after getting to a fight, into a fight with his girlfriend, is accused of stripping down to his boxer shorts and hopping the fence at Tampa's O'Night Airport. Once there, he allegedly tried to steal two planes. He did not know how to start them. And then he drove around in a golf cart and an airport fuel truck before crashing into a building and being charged with burglary, criminal mischief, and grand theft. Just plain nuts. <laughs> this is Birdsong, and these are your dumb criminal law stories for this week. These stories never go away. But now how about some riddles? These are easy riddles. Let's see if you can solve them. I'll give you the answers at the end of the show. First riddle. What do students... Nope, strike that. Let's start again. What do scientists call the study the study of soda pop? What do scientists call the study of soda pop? That's our first riddle. Think about it. Second riddle. Why did the pony go to the doctor? Why did the pony go to the doctor? Number three. Why does wood carving take a long time? Why does wood carving take a long time? I'll come back with the answers at the end of the show, but you may be able to figure these out. I hope you do. They're easy. This is Birdsong. Stick with me. There's more to this show, more to tell you. I'll be back. This is Birdsong back with you, having a good show. At least I'm enjoying it. I hope you are, too. We talked about some of the things that are going on at our border. Ugly, just ugly. Children taken from their parents for seeking asylum in the United States. We heard some dumb criminal law stories. They never change. And some riddles. Hope you can figure them out. Now we have our guest and my colleague. I'm glad to have her back here again, Jeannie Sanner. And we're going to talk a little bit about suicide. Hello, Jeannie. How are you today? I'm great, Birdsong. How are you? It's good to be back with you. Yeah, well, I'm doing pretty well today. Nice day here where I am and ugly things going on at the border. But 
We'll get to that. You know something about suicide, and I know something about suicide. And we learned last week that the rates of suicide have been going up in the United States. Is that right? Yes, it is. And it's going out, going up um, at an atrocious rate. Just, uh, just, I think it's 27%. That's about, um, that's about right. That's what I've read. Uh, and we've had a couple of high profile uh, suicides in the last week or so, two weeks now. It was um, Miss uh, Kate Spade, who was a fashion designer. She uh, designed hash, oh, hash bag, purses or handbags. And then Anthony Bourdain of yeah. CNN fame, all yeah. in the same week. It's just, you know, we wonder why. I mean, I I know sometimes why people just hurt so much. I've been told since I had a suicide in my family, suicide is not a sign of a weak person. Suicide comes from a deep pain. I think you can probably relate to that, can't you, Jeannie? Yes, I can. And and that's a very, very good way of putting it. Um, severe pain, a, a perception of oneself and the world that um, seems as if it's never going to change and can't get better and you can't deal with it anymore. Do you know or do you believe that mental illness is a contributor to suicide? I think at times it is. Um, I think there are many contributors. One is I think that there are some chemical um, elements that, that are involved. In fact, if people listen carefully to the ads that are going on about certain medications and they, they say, now, you know, if you're allergic to it, this and that and the other, and then if you have thoughts of suicide, make sure you tell your, I mean, they're even putting it in the ads. So there are chemical influences on mental states. I think some um, are chemical. I think some are psychological. Um, and I think some can be rational. One can what about, what about one more that you and I have talked a little bit about? What about stress in our society? Yes, Young people are under more stress than when we were growing up, probably. Uh, I never worried about gunmen coming into my school and shooting everyone they can and killing people. But kids are going to school now, and they are sometimes stressed that, you know, that's going to happen to them. So stress and the Internet and trolling and all of that has made life tough for a lot of people. Isn't that right? Yes. The social media um, has contributed. Uh, Violent games have contributed. Violent movies and shows have contributed it it doesn't um it doesn't bode well for people developing a concept of life being of love and joy and happiness but then you can go to the other extreme sometimes with the social media all people share are beautiful pictures of themselves having a wonderful time and then if somebody's going through a tough time, they're thinking the rest of the world is happy and I'm not and what's the matter with me? And so there are just many influences and many um, contributing factors to someone making that decision. The important thing I think for most everyone to recognize is it is very rare that one single thing 
causes someone to commit suicide. There is an accumulation of things over a certain period of time. It's sort of like the the straw that broke the camel's back, huh? Yes, exactly. And social bullying. And, you know, in the report that was out, the government report that was out, there was a sentence that that really struck me, Birdsong. It, it, It said, what I'm noticing is kids seem to be less resilient and to have more pressure. Now, it's really funny because I'm sure when you were young and, and I was young, we, we always heard things like sticks and stones can break your bones and <laughs> yep. can never hurt you. Okay. That's right. Well, we've gotten so politically correct with all kinds of names and trying to be very sensitive to everybody that, that people are not building their own self identity and saying, you can call me anything you want to call me. And that's more a reflection of who you are than who I am. And, and we, ha- they're not building the kind of strength and self confidence Sel- and self esteem that- and confidence. That's what you're getting at. Yes. Yeah. Self esteem and confidence. I, we just need to be able to know that, you know, there will be some ugly things in the world, but that doesn't make the world ugly. And there will be some ugly things said to us or about us, but that doesn't make us ugly. So we need to, uh, we need to look at our children and, and give them some, you know, tools to work with to build self-esteem. The other thing that I think is missing um, is the sense of community. There used to be where churches were a sense of community, and there would be community centers, and there would be activities, and the kids would have a spiritual base, regardless of which religion they may have, and they would have a social base, and Family units used to be a lot stronger. My grandmother lived right across the street, and she would babysit us while mom and dad played, you know, played, um, what they do? They went to play uh, bowling is what they did every mm-hmm. day. Um, you know, so we don't, and we don't have that anymore. The family structure is breaking up. There are more divorces than there were. There's less stability within the family. And that brings us to the border as well, because what is happening there, as far as family structure is concerned, is just god-awful. Now, we're going to come back to that. I know you wanted to bring that up, and I want to talk about it. I have some latest statistics here that suggest that 54% of completed suicides, or in 54% of completed suicides, there were no known mental health conditions. But sometimes alcohol and substance abuse can lead to stressors that can lead to suicide also. Absolutely. Drugs can definitely, drugs and alcohol can, well, again, see, those are chemicals. So they can, you know, get you all messed up inside. And now sometimes the medicine can stabilize the chemicals. You know, they do, we do have antidepressants that can often work for people to balance uh, the chemicals. But alcohol and drugs can create imbalances in, in, um, in our bodies, and that can create stress, and it can create depression, and it can create um, misinterpretations of the environment and circumstances, and that can lead to suicide as well. Yeah, I, I know, and it's a bad thing. One of the things, last things I want to say about suicide is that Let's tell people don't do it because you only leave too many questions for your surviving family members. You agree with that, Jeannie? 
Well, I do, but the other reason not to do it, and I want to be a living example of legitimate hope. I mean, I was there, put the gun to my head and pulled the trigger, and it jammed. But right. now I have a life that is filled with joy and love and peace and fulfillment and purpose. So you can, no matter how bad the quagmire appears to be, there is a way out. There is a way out. And that's what I'm hoping people will recognize. Um, Amen. It, it, it can be different. Yes, it can Amen. be different. Well, now let's talk about the border. You were separated from your parents at one time, and uh, you didn't have long-lasting, but why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, actually, yeah, it did have long-lasting um, impact on my well-being. Uh, my dad was in the military. We were stationed in Germany. We were supposed to be there for three years, but then dad uh, retired early, so we were there only two years. I was 12 at the time. And mom and dad decided that they wanted to see Paris before we left Europe. But this was in the late 50s, and the tension was tremendous. The wall had not been built yet. but we The Berlin just, Wall. The Berlin Wall, right. So the Berlin Wall had not been built yet, and, and it was a time when jets would go over and break the sound barrier for the first time. There would be these loud booms. We had to practice evacuating Germany. Yeah. So there was a, a picture of Jesus I had on my bedroom wall, and I had a little list behind the picture of the things that I should take. In the bottom drawer of the dresser, I had all the emergency things that all I had to do was dump it into a suitcase, and we would have emergency evacuation drills. Well, Mom and Dad had decided they were going to go to Paris, so they sat us down in the living with my brother and me and said, now we're going to go to Paris, and if anything happens, and you know that was all it took, what do you mean, if anything happens? You know, <laughs> we were supposed to leave with the people you know, on the third floor. Well, they had a son my brother's age who was three years older than, than I was. And Bobby knew the young boy there, but I didn't know this family at all. So my parents are going to go off to, to Paris, and if anything happens, I'm supposed to leave with these people upstairs that I don't know. And I'm asking, well, how do we get back together? How do we find, if, I, if we have to get, will I ever see you again? I mean, what's going to happen? The trauma of the abandonment, the separation, the thought of never seeing my parents again. And I'm tw I was 12. I mean, think what's going with on with these children who are six and seven and, and five and younger and even uh, 11 and 12. To think that you may never see your parents again is absolutely frightening. I cannot tell you the nightmares I had. I cannot tell you what happened to me in school. I can't, you know, it was just traumatic. Yep, and, and it's, I'm sure it's traumatic that, to these yeah. children. Now, what oh I didn't God, tell yeah. people about you, Jeannie, you are my colleague. You have a master's degree in psychology, and you have a doctorate of spiritual studies. You have a book. Tell us about it before I have to let you go. Okay, the book is called Finding Unconditional Love, A Little Peace, P-E-A-C-E, at a Time. <laughs> And it's my journey from that moment when I put the gun to my head to where I am now. And I'm hoping that it will be of tremendous benefit. There have been a lot of things that have happened in my life, as with everyone. We all have our challenges. Um, but finding unconditional love, a little piece at a time, is the story of 
my dealing with the challenges and finding the joy and the peace of unconditional love. And it is available on Amazon.com. Um, and so I'm hoping that people will check that out and and possibly benefit from it. All right. Well, Jeannie, thank you very much. You sent me a free copy of it. It's a good book. It's a good read, and it's got a lot of a lot of good wisdom in it. But well, anyway, thank you. Jeannie, thank you so much for coming on. We will have you on again. Stay well. All righty. God bless. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. All right. This is Birdsong. We just finished talking with Jeannie Sanner about disrupting families and taking children away and will the parents ever see, will you ever see your parents again? We also talked about suicide. We're going to come back with a story from Paul Harvey or Paul Harvey's son. Stick with us. This is Birdsong. There's more. This is Birdsong back with you. Coming to the end of the show, I have a Paul Harvey story. These stories are written by his son, Paul Arant. Paul Harvey was a master broadcaster who was with us for many years. His story, this story, is called 12 to the Bar. This is a test, not an easy test. You are about to read the names of 12 of our nation's most prominent lawyers. Only one of them was a law school dropout. Can you guess his name? Ready? Get set? Here we go. Patrick Henry, member of the Continental Congress, governor of Virginia. He passed his oral bar examination in 1760. Within three years, he had handled more than 1,100 cases. John Jay. He was admitted to the bar in 1768, subsequently distinguishing himself as the first chief justice of the Supreme Court. John Marshall, another Supreme Court Chief Justice, he passed the bar exam in 1780. William Wirt, barely 20, he practiced law in Culpeper County, Virginia, eventually becoming United States Attorney General. Now remember, one of these nationally prominent lawyers was a law school dropout, and you're trying to discover him. Roger Taney, Admitted to practice in 1779, sorry, 1799, he worked his way up, first Secretary of the Treasury, then Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Daniel Webster, he was admitted to the Boston Bar in 1805, established a phenomenal legal reputation. Subsequently, he was appointed Secretary of State in 1841. Salmon Chase, United States Senator, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He gained his early prominence as a defense attorney for runaway slaves. Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States, an occupation greatly enhanced by his former ex-experience as a lawyer. Stephen Douglas, admitted to the bar in 1834. He later became representative, then senator from Illinois. He debated Lincoln. Clarence Darrow, a lawyer of world-renowned, his most famous case was the Scopes so-called Monkey Trial of 1925. Robert Story, 
Born in 1893, was president of the American Bar Association in 1952 and 1953. Strom Thurmond, admitted to the bar in 1930. He later became governor of South Carolina, then a senator from that state. Those are the 12. Only one of them abandoned law school after the first year, never to return. Once more, the names only. Patrick Henry. John Jay, John Marshall, William Wirt, Roger Taney, Daniel Webster, Selman Chase, Abraham Lincoln, Stephen Douglas, Clarence Darrow, Robert Story, Strom Thurmond. Time's up. Of the names you've just heard, only one was a law school dropout. He was Clarence Darrow. That's right. Clarence Darrow, the one name in the whole world associates with the practice of law, attended law school for only one year. He did not distinguish himself and dropped out to study law on his own. Oh, did I mention that the other 11, those 11 most distinguished American lawyers could not have dropped out of law school. Why? Because they never went to law school at all. They were apprentices to other lawyers. That, folks, is the rest of the story. <laughs> Here's the answer to these riddles. Riddle number one. Why do scientists, or sorry, what do scientists call the study of soda pop? They call it physics. <laughs> number two. Why did the pony, why did the pony, why did the pony go to the doctor? Because it was a little horse. <laughs> Finally. Why does wood carving take a long time? You have to do a whittle by whittle. You have to do it whittle by whittle. That's why wood carving takes a long time. <laughs> this is Birdsong. I hope you got some of those right. Here's my thought of the day. If you make a sale, you make a living. If you make an investment of time and good service in a customer, you can make a fortune. Those are words to think about this week. I'll be back with you next week. This is Birdsong. Happy to be here. I'm out. <laughs>